Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. If you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review, but most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Folks, this is episode number three. Uh, If you've made it this far, thank you so much. The support that you guys, the listeners have shown, all three of you, uh, has been so overwhelming. I couldn't be more grateful. Folks, today, I am your host, James Donahue, as I am every show. Hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. Hopefully you stick around uh, because today we are going to be breaking down the A's matchup. Now, I totally understand if this is too hard to relive because the baseball that we witnessed this past weekend was something that no human should ever have to witness. No innocent fan of baseball should never have to witness the games that we we as Giants fans witnessed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I understand if this is too hard for you folks to sit through, but unfortunately for me, I'm the type of person that needs to understand why all the bad things are happening. But also a big reason why I want to break this down is because there's actually a lot of positives to walk away from these three games. Nah, actually probably not a lot of positives, but they're still positives. So if you want to stick around to listen to those, I would greatly appreciate it. Okay, with that being said, let's just go ahead and dive into game one. Uh, I titled this game, what game was it, Friday night, uh, Cueto versus Jesus Lazardo. I titled this game, We Beat Ourselves. That's going to be the first chapter of the A series is We Beat Ourselves. Like I said, Cueto versus Jesus Lazardo. Uh, if you listened to episode one, then you would have heard me mention that Frankie Montas was actually scheduled to be the first starter of this game. However, that wasn't the case because Montas was scratched three or four hours before the game even started due to upper back tightness. So the A's handed the ball off to Jesus Lazardo, the young stud. However, he wasn't studly enough to hold off the Giants hitting. That's right, the Giants came away with 13 hits. That's pretty amazing. Longoria had two hits, three RBIs, zero strikeouts, and he had a homer. Wilmer Flores, four hits, zero strikeouts. Don't worry, we'll be talking about him much later uh, when it comes to this game. And Pence had a three RBI homer, and Yaz, Mikey Shremsky, walked away with a homer as well. So if you remember when I was doing the breakdown of these games during last episodes, one thing I mentioned is that the Giants have the hitting. We have the hitting in order to stay competitive against these tough teams. The only thing that's in question is if we have good enough starting pitching to keep us in the game long enough to be competitive. And that's exactly what Johnny Cueto did. In seven innings pitch, Cueto only gave up three hits, two earned runs, two walks. He had five strikeouts. And something that was very promising for me to see was that Kapler actually kept his starting pitcher in the game long enough because Cueto finished the night with 104 pitches. Something to highlight here is that Cueto held the A's to six scoreless innings. 
and that's actually his second straight start, holding the opposing hitters to six scoreless innings. He did that uh, during his last outing against the Dodgers. Also, not to mention, during these first two games of the series, Matt Chapman started the first two games going 0 for 10. So the Giants pitching was doing something right, that's for sure. Well, the Giants starting pitching was doing something right. That's right, folks. Something I will be absolutely make sure to cover is the catastrophic ending to the first two games, the horrible, horrible collapse at the bottom of the ninth, led by Trevor Gott and Gabe Kapler. Entering Friday's game, Trevor Gott, in six innings pitched, had only given up three hits, one earned run, three Ks, and he had an ERA of 1.50. Not to mention, opponent's batting average while facing him was only a .143. He had only given up one home run prior to Friday night's game, and he was 4 for 4 in terms of save opportunities. So I absolutely understand Gabe Kapler's decision to bring him out there because Trevor Gott was doing phenomenal. He was having a phenomenal season leading up to Friday's game. I honestly would have done the same thing. There was no one out there. I don't care what you say, but there was absolutely no one out there in the world that would have told you otherwise that it was a terrible idea to hand Trevor Gott the ball in the bottom of the ninth. But unfortunately for not only Trevor Gott, but us as Giants fans as well, everything that could have gone wrong in that inning went wrong. Folks, before I break down the Wilmer Flores error, I'm just going to take this opportunity to vent a little bit. President of Baseball Operations for us, Farhan Zaidi. I have the utmost respect for that man. The things that he did in Oakland and in for the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, he was able to discover players such as Ioannis Cespedes, Max Muncie, Yasmani Grandal, Chris Taylor, and the common denominator with most of those players is that they have multiple position eligibility. The number one thing that they bring to the team is their versatility uh, on the defensive side of baseball. I understand that. His whole strategy when it comes to that is if players have multiple position eligibility, then it'll be easier to stick them into the lineups, keep their bats in the lineups in order to score more runs. I absolutely understand that. However, there's also a consequence when you throw a bunch of players who aren't used to playing a particular position. However, there's also a consequence when you give a player who's not used to playing a particular position so many opportunities at that spot. Eventually, he's going to make some mental errors simply because he's not used to playing that position. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about Wilmer Flores. I love his bat. The things that he's been able to do so far offensively during this season has been absolutely beneficial for not only the Giants, but us as fans to watch as well. However, the mental error that he made in the bottom of the ninth during Friday's game absolutely cost us the game. Now, I'm not usually someone or the type of person to be like, well, you know, that person and point my fingers and be like, that's the person that lost us the game. I'm really not. I'm more of a team aspect where... I look at it from a different angle, such as like, well, there must have been other things leading up to that game. There must have been other variables that caused us to lose that game. But honestly, I haven't been able to find one. I really haven't. Everyone thinks that it was Trevor Gott's fault that we lost the game. But if we actually look at what happened in the bottom of the ninth, we can see, excuse me, the top of the ninth, we can see that Trevor Gott actually didn't do a terrible job. All right, let's just break down the first batters, first few batters that he faced. Matt Chapman. One of the best hitters in the American League and definitely one of the best hitters in the Oakland A's lineup. Trevor Gott was able to get him to pop out in the infield. One out. Great. Next batter, Matt Olson. Quite literally might be the man on fire. I think heading into Friday's game, he only had six hits and his past six hits were all home runs. That was absolutely the case here. 
Trevor Gott served up another home run to him. Great. Now the, s- the score is now 7-3 to three with one out. We're now facing right-handed hitter Mark Canna or Kana. I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyways, Trevor Gott gives him a walk. Okay, now we have one out. We've given up one home run and one walk. The score is now 7-3 to three with the runner on first. This is where the situation gets a little dicey. Following the Mark Canna walk, Robbie Grossman, left-handed hitter, is going to be the next batter. The only thing we need, remember, we have one out and a runner on first. The only thing we need is either a strikeout or a ground out to induce a double play, and that's exactly what Trevor Gott was able to produce. There was a ground ball hit sharply to Wilmer Flores, and stay with me here because this is probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen in all my years of watching baseball. Wilmer Flores, who's, who's playing first base, gets that ground ball. It's perfect ground ball to complete a double play to get out of the inning to win the game. Wilmer Flores picks it up. He takes two steps to his left as if he was going to tag first base. But instead, he stops short, doesn't tag first base, then throws the ball over to second base where Crawford, in his mind, thinks that Wilmer Flores steps on first so he doesn't need to keep his foot on the bag. Keep in mind, everybody, the force out is still intact. Brandon Crawford still needs to keep his foot on the bag in order to get the out at second because Wilmer Flores failed to touch first base. But in Crawford's mind, he can only see Wilmer Flores' back, and he just assumes that Flores tags first base. I have no idea why Wilmer Flores would want to take steps towards first before he throws the ball to Crawford. He did not get the out. Anyways, the result of the play at second is Crawford lifted his foot from the bag in order to tag the runner that he did not need to tag because the force out was still in play. The Giants walk away. Instead of getting a double play ending the game, the Giants have to stay in the game with one out, and we all know what happens from there. Again, I agree that we need Wilmer Flores in our lineup. He's one of the best hitters and most consistent and most clutch hitters that we have on our team. However, he's now made a mental error at first that has cost us a game, and he's made two errors at third base. At some point, I think the Giants need to figure out what's the best defensive spot for him or even DH because the mental errors need to stop. In order to stay competitive in these games, we need to have a defense that knows how to make plays. Anyways, before we move on to the next game, the last thing I want to say is that if I was a general manager, my first order of business, absolutely first order of business, would be trading away Brandon Bell for a bucket of balls and a used vending machine because that's how valuable I see him to our team. Well, James, yesterday's game, Sunday's game, he had three hits, including a home run. I don't care. How is that valuable to me? We lost. He did that when we lost 15-3. to What's valuable to me is what he can do when he led off the bottom of the tenth with a runner on first. Oh, wait, he, he did nothing in that case. He struck out, and we would go on to lose the game. I'm not saying that Brandon Belt lost that game for us, but you have to do something. You have to do something when the game is on the line. Give me a bunt. Move the runner over. Sacrifice yourself. But instead, Brandon Belt strikes out. And he would go on Sunday to have some type of positive performance during a game that does not matter. In fact, before Sunday's game, in 39 at-bats, Brandon Belt had a .128 batting average. And he had 17 strikeouts in 14 games. That's just absolutely atrocious. 
I don't care about the three-hit game. I really don't. I only care about what he does when it matters most, and he literally does nothing. Sorry, that's just my ranting vent session about Brandon Belt. The last thing I'll say about this game is that I still stand by my statement for the extra innings rule. It will always be easier to have the opportunity to score first. That's just, that's honestly what I'm seeing here. I know, I know that there's numbers out there that will tell me otherwise that it's a bigger advantage to be the home team, but I just don't see it. I really don't. The away team has the first opportunity to hit with a runner in scoring position. That is so crucial. All they have to do after they score is bring up their closer and the game is over. Maybe I just don't agree just because of how bad the Giants have been playing lately, but I honestly just think that when it comes to extra innings, the away team will always have the advantage. All right, moving on to the second game of the series, and I'm going to title this Kapler Did It Again. For game two of the series, Kevin Gosman, my favorite pitcher the Giants have right now, faced Sean Manaya, and just like Kevin Gosman does, he put on another productive performance and in 5.2 innings pitch. Kevin Gosman gave up five hits, three earned runs, three walks, but have a but had 11 strikeouts. Another positive from this outing is that Gabe Kapler again kept the starter in long enough. Kevin Gosman finished his outing with 106 total pitches, and honestly, that's what you like to see. I don't understand. And I'll talk about this uh, for Sunday's game, but I don't understand the point of saving your pitchers when you're the Giants. I understand if you're Dave Roberts and you're trying to save Walker Buehler and Dustin May for the Dodgers because you have a chance at the postseason and you want to preserve your pitcher's health in order for him to go longer in the postseason. However, we're the Giants. Unfortunately, I love our team, but postseason is looking more and more less of a possibility. So why not let these pitchers go? Why not let Kevin Gosman go, put on a performance. Just There's no point, in my opinion, of holding him back. So this was really promising to see that Gabe Kapler just let him go as long as he could. Like I mentioned earlier, Matt Chapman, during the first two games, went 0 for 10. And in this game, game two, he went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Definitely something really promising to see from the Giants pitching staff. And last thing I'll say about Gosman is that during his last two starts, he has an ERA of 3.00, 17 total strikeouts, and the opponent's batting average is 186. Yeah, Kevin Gosman is by far definitely our best pitcher. In terms of the Giants hitting, they were able to do it again. They walked away with seven hits. Yaws had a triple. Darren Ruff had a three-run home run. Wilmer Flores, again, two more hits. And Longoria even had a double. And the last thing I want to break down about this game is the top of the ninth again for game two. Look, coming from a perspective of someone who has played the game of baseball, don't worry, I haven't played long. I'm not going to toot my horn. I barely made it past freshman year of high school. The point I'm trying to make is that through my experience, I can understand where Gabe Kapler was coming from, handing the ball off to Trevor God again. Now looking back at Friday night's game, I understand more that it wasn't so much of Trevor Gott's fault that we lost the game. It was more because of our poor defense. I understand that as a head coach, if you truly want this player to be your closer, you have to show him that you have trust in him. You have to show him that... You understand that, hey, everyone has a bad outing. Closers have bad outings, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad pitcher. As I said during Friday night's game, heading into that game, he had a 1.50 ERA. So I understand if Gabe Kapler is handing him the ball and be like, look, hey, you know, we all have bad outings, but I need you to go out there again and show me that you're worth this closer role. So I, I absolutely understand the sentiment because the number one thing you want to do as a head coach, or at least you want to do as Gabe Kapler in that situation is to show Trevor Gott that you trust him. You want to instill confidence in him again. But unfortunately, as we all know, 
a positive result is not what we got. And Trevor got again, blew the save. But again, I'm someone that needs closure. I don't know if it's a condition of mine. I just need it. So I'm just going to go ahead and break down what happened during that inning. Okay. First of all, something that I didn't realize, and I don't know if everyone else realized, but as soon as a relief pitcher enters the game, and this is a new rule of 2020, as soon as a relief pitcher enters the game, the minimum amount of hitters he has to face is three. So he, Trevor Gott had to face three hitters. That was just the bare minimum. The only reason why I bring that up is because the first pitch of the top of the ninth inning, Sean Murphy hits a home run. Now, I was surrounded by people that were saying, take him out, take him out immediately, take him out immediately. I also would have taken him, taken him out immediately, but unfortunately, he has to face two more batters just because that's the rule of the 2020. So, Sean Murphy hits a home run. Nothing too detrimental. Only one run. However, there's still zero outs. Marcus Simeon, a right-handed hitter, is the next batter. He pops out. Great. Now there's only one out, two more to go. Tony Kemp, a left-handed hitter. So Tony Kemp hits a line drive to right center field, and in my opinion, Pence had a terrible read on the ball. He started coming in way too quickly, and by the time it was too late, Pence tried to backpedal, and the ball sailed over his head. Okay, again, another situation where Trevor Gott is on the mound and his defense is not making plays. So now we have, again, okay, a home run, a pop out, and then a terrible defensive play. That leaves us with one out and a runner on first. At this point, Trevor Gott has faced three batters. At this point, Gabe Kapler could take him out if he wanted to. However, the next batter is Matt Chapman, who is a right-handed hitter. In the game of baseball, if the listeners don't know, when you have a righty pitcher facing a righty batter, that's beneficial for the righty pitcher because his off-speed pitches break away from the hitter's bat. So, I honestly also would have kept Chapman, excuse me, I honestly would have also kept Trevor got in in this situation because of the righty-righty matchup. And it proved to be beneficial for us. Matt Chapman ends up flying out. Now we have two outs and a runner on first. With the next batter being the left-handed hitter, Matt Olson, who hit a home run off Trevor Gott the night before. This is where Gabe Kapler messes up, in my opinion. At this point, you have a righty-lefty matchup where the off-speed pitches break towards the hitter's bat. This is not beneficial for the right-handed pitcher. In my opinion, I think we should have taken Trevor Gott out in order to bring in a left-handed pitcher, Sam Selman, because then it would have been a lefty-lefty matchup. Because one thing you have to observe here in this situation as a head coach, and something I observed as a casual fan, is that at this point in the game, Trevor Gott not only didn't have the control that he normally does, but also his velocity on his fastball, which ranges anywhere from 96 to 97, was being thrown around 93 to 94. So clearly something was wrong with Trevor Gott. In my opinion, this is the time where Gabe Kapler steps in and brings in another pitcher in order to get out of the inning. However, as we all know, that's not what happened. Trevor Gott stayed in the game against Matt Olson, who he walked and then proceeded to give up a home run to Mark Canna. In my opinion, the point in the game where we lost control was when Gabe Kapler decided to let Trevor Gott pitch to Matt Olson. If we take out Trevor Gott, the right-handed pitcher, and put in a lefty-lefty matchup, our odds of getting that out increase exponentially. My continued worry heading into the season is that Gabe Kapler does not know how to manage not only a pitching staff, but also his relief pitchers. His situational awareness concerns me. The last thing I'll say about the A's matchup is that I don't have too much to say about the last game, Sunday's game. At this point, it's like, what do you do? 
there's nothing we can do. We're losing 9 to 3, 12 to 3, 13 to 3, 15 to 3. There's really nothing more I can say about this game. The only thing I will say is that in my opinion, I think Logan Webb put on another serviceable performance. Again, I think Gabe Kapler has a problem managing his starting pitchers. For some reason, he either leaves them in for too long or takes them out way too early. Logan Webb finishes the day with only 88 pitches thrown. He lasted 4.1 innings, only gave up three hits, three earned runs, and had five strikeouts. I don't really understand why Gabe Kapler felt it was necessary to take Logan Webb out of the fifth inning when there was one out. In my opinion, he had enough left in the tank in order to just get out of the inning. However, with that being said, that was just not the case. Gabe Kapler then pivoted to his bullpen, and that was the worst mistake he could have ever made. Wendy Peralta, I believe, faced six hitters, did not get a single out. He gave up four hits, five earned runs, and a walk. Then Gabe Kapler pivots to Derek, Derek Rodriguez, and I wish I could say that Rodriguez put up a better performance, but that's also not the case. And 1.2 innings pitched, Derek Rodriguez gave up seven hits, five earned runs, one walk, and only had one strikeout. In my opinion, if Gabe Kapler just lets Logan Webb finish the fifth inning, then we don't see two of our relievers giving up back-to-back five earned runs. My girlfriend turns to me. She literally started watching baseball this year. She turns to me. She goes, why did Kapler take out that pitcher? And And I honestly had to look her dead in the face, and I go, I don't know. I don't know. And that is just so crazy to me that someone who just started watching baseball this year is questioning the moves of the head coach. I'm sorry I'm getting fired up, but at this point, it's like, let me coach. I can literally do a better job. My girlfriend, who clearly hasn't been watching baseball, clearly she could be doing a better job than Gabe Kapler if she's asking the right questions. I don't understand the moves that he's making. He absolutely has not earned my trust when it comes to managing a pitching staff. When it comes down to it, I think I've had enough closure. I'm ready to move on from the A series. And at this point, we just have to look forward to the next series, which is the Angels. Uh, something that's actually really cool is that the Giants take on the Angels in Anaheim for the first two games of the series, and then they come back to Oracle Park to finish off the ne- the last two games of the series. I'm recording this on Monday before the first game of the Angels series, but it's going to be produced or it's going to be posted Tuesday morning. So... I'm going to go ahead and watch the game tonight and then come back and get my thoughts. Hopefully, Gabe Kapler figures out how to finally manage his pitching staff. Uh, However, I'm not hopeful. And hopefully, Brandon Bell can start hitting again consistently. I'm not hopeful for that either. And hopefully, our relief pitchers just stop giving up runs. Currently, the Giants' relief pitchers lead the league in giving up home runs. I believe it's either 21 or 22. They've given up the most. Just to put things into perspective, the Dodgers relief pitchers have only given up three home runs on the season. So yeah, we're doing pretty bad. But again, one thing that isn't bad is our hitting. That's the number one thing that keeps us competitive in these games is that Yaz won't stop hitting, Donovan Solano won't stop hitting, Wilmer Flores, Austin Slater, Evan Longoria is still getting hits, and hopefully they can do that, continue to do that against the Angels. But we'll see. All right, guys, I'm back from watching the first game, game one of the Giants vs. Angels series. Wow, I am just at a loss for words, honestly. I don't understand how many chances Trevor Gott needs in order to get back on pace, but as of right now, he is not in the right mindset to being a closer. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, he entered Friday's game with a 
excuse me, 1.50 ERA, and he was four for four in save opportunities. But ever since Friday, he just clearly hasn't been the same. The worst part about tonight is that there's no defensive errors that can help explain the reason as to why the Giants yet again lose another game that they were winning heading into the ninth inning. At this point, if Gabe Kapler chooses to go with Trevor Gott in the bottom of the ninth, then that's on him. You can't keep sending a guy out there who clearly isn't ready for the psychological demands of being a major league closer. Something is clearly not right mentally. Ever since Friday, he's just not been right. So, therefore, if Gabe Kapler continues to keep sending Trevor Gott out there in the bottom of the ninth, that is going to be on Gabe Kapler. Luckily, during the post-game press conference, Gabe Kapler explained that he has long-term confidence in Trevor God, but he recognizes that right now, maybe being the closer is not the right fit. To that, I respond, thank God, finally, you wake the hell up and realize what the heck you're doing, Cap. I just don't understand how you can't see that already. Millions of Giants fans can see it right on their TV. Thank God you're finally taking him out. This is probably the best move you made all season. I'm excited to see who takes on the interim closer role while Trevor Gott attempts to get in the right mindset and back on track. Because honestly, I really do believe he's a really good relief pitcher. But right now, he's just in a funk. He's honestly not stable enough to be in a closer role situation. Although the Giants did lose again tonight, it is their fifth straight loss, there are some definite positives we can look at during tonight's game. Starting off with our pitching, actually, Tyler Anderson, our starting pitcher, went five innings, gave up eight hits, five run runs, and eight Ks. Now, the eight hits and five run runs, when you look at that on paper, that honestly, the first thought to my mind is, wow, yikes, what happened? But if you were watching the game, you can see that actually the, through the first four and a half innings, Tyler Anderson was actually dominating. In the fourth inning, he had 48 total pitches, and seven of those pitches were balls. After he gave up those runs in the fifth inning, in the bottom of the fifth inning, you could see his emotion when he entered the dugout. And honestly, it was super refreshing. As soon as he stepped inside the dugout, he started slamming his glove against the wall. He started throwing it down on ice coolers. And it the reason why it was refreshing is because, let's just be real, like this season freaking sucks for a lot of different reasons, especially lately. And for someone to just express that emotion is refreshing. It's very real. And it was nice to see that, like, someone cares. That type of emotion, that type of expression on a ball field shows me that that Tyler Anderson cares, unlike Gabe Kapler. The relief pitching didn't do terrible besides Trevor Gott giving up the game. The pitcher that followed Tyler Anderson was Jarlin Garcia. Again, I do question Gabe Kapler bringing in a lefty and Jarlin Garcia in order to face two righties. Luckily, he was able to get out of the inning unscathed with no damage. Then after that, Tyler Rogers comes into the game to face Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Albert Pujols. And this was definitely a highlight for me because Tyler Rogers was successful in getting the biggest hitters the Angels have out in that inning. And Tyler Rogers has now given up zero earned runs while striking out five batters in his last four outings to combine for 3.2 innings pitched. As of right now, I'm super comfortable with him, but I'm not very comfortable with many other of our relief pitchers. Another pitcher I'm comfortable with was Tony Watson. 
However, I did question Gabe Kapler's decision to bring in another lefty to face three righties. I don't understand why he keeps bringing in lefties to face righties and righties to face lefties. Luckily, it was the worst three hitters in the Angels lineup. It was the bottom three, and Tony Watson made quick work of it, uh, not allowing a run. Then after that was Trevor Gott. I remember writing the writing my notes down every pitch. He was able to strike out the first batter, and he threw four straight strikes to start the inning. Then, after everything started to unfold, the very last thing I wrote was, last chance, as in this is his last chance. There was nothing to lose. There was no pressure. Insinuating that this one was on him. I'll give it to him. His last two outings where he struggled and gave up the game, there were some defensive mistakes, and not all of it was on him. But tonight, it was all on him. And I'll stop talking about Trevor Gott here momentarily. But the last thing I will say is that in his last three appearances, he has given up 11 runs. So obviously something is wrong. I don't know if it's an injury issue, and I don't know if it's a mental issue. All I know is that he's not stable enough to be a closer. Something that was positive, however, just like every single game, is that the Giants hit. They had a total of 10 hits. And guess what? Belt hit another freaking home run. I wasn't hopeful, but the man's making me a believer now. And he didn't even strike out. No, I'm not necessarily a believer yet. But the past two games have been promising for Belt. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. So don't hold your breath. Yaz, again, with two hits, two RBIs. He now has a 314 batting average on the season. And this was a very interesting stat that popped up during the game. He has the most extra base hits in the league on two-strike counts. Extra base hits. That's insane. With nine. Solano had one hit. He now has a 405 batting average on the season. Longoria hit a triple with no strikeouts. He's hitting very well. And Mauricio Dubon had two hits and two runs scored with no strikeouts. Very promising to see from the Giants hitting staff. It's just extremely frustrating that our relief pitchers continue to give up the lead in the bottom of the ninth. Now, if we look at tomorrow's game, it should be actually an exciting matchup. We have Trevor Cahill going for us on the mound, and it's going to be, and we're going to be facing their best pitcher, the Angels' best pitcher, Dylan Bundy. He has a 3-1 record and a 1.57 ERA on the season. But a matchup I'm actually interested very much in watching is Evan Longoria. He has a 385 batting average and 13 at-bats, including two home runs and three RBIs against Bundy. Not to mention, during the past four games, Evan Longoria is hitting a with a 308 batting average with a double, a triple, and a home run, and only one strikeout. Evan Longoria is doing better than people think, and I hope that he can continue to have success against Dylan Bundy. For us, like I said, Trevor Cahill is on the mound for us, and during his last outing was that awkward 1.82 innings pitched outing where he had four walks, but zero earned runs, and two strikeouts. Very good news for us is that Trevor Cahill currently has faced Mike Trout seven times, and Mike Trout is 0 for 7 with four strikeouts. Also, Justin Upton has a 182 batting average against Cahill, and Albert Pujols has a 222 batting average. So some of the biggest bats in this lineup, Trevor Cahill seems to have some ownage on them, so that will be a fun matchup to watch. Game 3, the Giants face Patrick Sandoval, who is 0-2 with a 3.95 ERA on the season. In 16 inning pitch, he has given up 14 hits, and has also given up 7 earned runs. However, he does have 13 strikeouts, which equates to 
5.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He does have a mid-90s fastball around the 93 marker, and he also has a slider. He's a fastball slider guy. That's usually how he gets his strikeouts. It'll be fun to see the Giants face this young pitcher for the for the Halos because he has yet to face any of them. Also for Game 3, I still don't know who we have going for us. And that case is the same for Game 4. I do not know who's pitching for us during Game 3 or Game 4. If it's been announced yet, I have not been able to find it. But Game 4, we face Andrew Heaney of the Los Angeles Angels. He currently has a 1-1 record with a 4.78 ERA. He's given up 9 runs and 13 hits over his past 13 innings pitched. That has produced an 8.68 ERA during his last two outings. So that will be very, very encouraging to face. He has not faced any Giants either, but hopefully they can keep him off track. I expect the Giants hitting to put up a fight against his 91-mile-per-hour fastball. Folks, that'll be all for today's show. Hopefully you had some fun. The last thing I'll say is that although I want to keep this a positive show, I also want to keep this a show where we can come together and voice our frustrations and come together as a community and bond over the frustrations, just like I know we're going to bond over the successes that we will see during this season. Again, folks, if you like what you're hearing, then go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. And don't forget to leave a review. Just go ahead and tell me how much you love the show. Again, folks, the support I've already gotten has been overwhelming. I'm 100% appreciative of all you because if I don't have listeners, then I'm just talking to myself. And talking to myself for this long just isn't healthy. Don't forget, you can also find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify along with Apple Podcasts and expect to see the next show come out on Friday. All right, that's all for today's show. I'll stop talking now. Hopefully the Giants can get at least... One more win against the Halos, especially when they come back home to finish off the series. With that being said, thank you all for listening, and go Giants!